One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Welcome to today's episode. It is a conversation with psychologist and published author Steph Giorgio. This is an episode I had been so excited to record, and you'll hear me say this in the intro with Steph for selfish reasons. Now, if you have social media, you will have likely seen an increase in people coming forward and saying, you know what, I'm pretty sure I have ADHD or learning about what ADHD is and how it impacts them as adults, because often it's missed during childhood for so many people. And just lately, I've been having conversations with girlfriends and I've had some of them say to me, it's like ADHD is trendy all of a sudden. And you're probably hearing more podcasts on the topics and seeing TikTok videos and people speaking more about it on social media. And I think it's such a positive thing. I have titled this episode, I definitely have ADHD, but I'm currently at the beginning of the process of getting a diagnosis for ADHD for myself. It's a long process to go through, but everything that I begin to understand really confirms for me so much that I know to be true about myself. And I think this episode will be really helpful for anyone who is listening, whether or not they're like, oh, yep, that's me for sure. Just in understanding people and what ADHD really can be like. I think it's a really rich conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Steph is a breath of fresh air. Definitely jump over and follow her on Instagram. You can find her at mindfoodsteph with a PH. She also has a book available all on the topic of breaking free from food rules. So that is a different topic to the one that we're focusing in on today. But you'll hear during our conversation that there is some crossover there with ADHD and disordered eating. And Steph and I actually recorded a second episode where we focus upon recovering from eating disorders. But I wanted to share this code with you here in this episode as well. It's a discount for her book. So if you use the code MINDFOOD20, MINDFOOD20, at www.mindfoodsteph.com for her book, you will receive a 20% discount. So make sure you're following Steph and I hope you enjoy this conversation. It would mean so much to me if you take the time right now to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your stories, let other people know you're listening to it, tag me at Kylie Camps. You can tag Steph as well, and then we can reshare it on our social media accounts too. And I just think it's one of those topics that the more we talk about it, the more airtime we give to it, the better, because it can truly change someone's life to feel understood and validated. All right, let's get into my conversation with Steph. 
Thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation with me. I have been selfishly looking forward to exploring this topic with you for a while now. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kylie. I can't wait to get into our conversation today. I say selfishly, but I know that this conversation will be helpful for so many of our listeners, in particular women who perhaps have ADHD, but have never really noticed, realized, certainly not being diagnosed, but they're living with these parts of ADHD and they just don't know what's happening or you just get so used to it. You think it's part of your personality. So I think it's going to be a really rich conversation. Before we get into that, can you explain what ADHD is to our listeners? Absolutely. So ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder which often begins in childhood but often doesn't get recognized or noticed as ADHD until adulthood. And this type of brain-based disorder, because it is in the brain, it affects how someone thinks, how they feel, and how they behave. And contrary to what people think, it's not actually a deficit of attention. It's an issue regulating attention. People with ADHD have a lot of attention on a lot of different things, but it's about having the ability to put that attention in the right place at the right time. And the ability to do this comes from your executive functioning system. So this is in your frontal lobe of your brain. It's a set of cognitive processes that helps us plan effectively, prioritize and sustain effort towards our goals. So think of it as the the CEO of your brain. It's just wired a little bit differently to other people. And People with ADHD, they want to do the stuff, but they just have trouble getting going. And there's a bunch of symptoms which we can go into. Yeah, I'm really glad that you spoke about it being a brain disorder because I know for me growing up, Steph, when I would hear the term ADHD, I would always just think of like unruly children acting Mm -hmm. up, you know, having trouble listening to a teacher. I certainly had no awareness that it was a real issue with the brain and how the brain processes and yeah the different symptoms that can present themselves I'd love to explore those symptoms with you yeah for sure and the reason like you said it doesn't get recognized or we see we think of ADHD as this naughty kid throwing chairs around is because in women it can present quite differently or in the inattentive presentation so there's three different presentations and I'll go through the symptoms of each you have the predominantly inattentive subtype, which doesn't have the sorry, which doesn't have the hyperactivity or impulsivity. Then you have the hyperactivity impulsivity subtype, and then there's the combined subtype, which are features of both. For the hyperactive impulsive subtype, this is what people usually know. They struggle with not only attention, but physical and mental hyperactivity. They may be extremely talkative. They may interrupt, have impulsive decision-making. And in adults, we may see this with drugs, alcohol, relationships. Um, They may make hasty comments. They have this inner sense of restlessness or they struggle to sit still or put the brakes on or wait in line. Whereas with the inattentive subtype, it's more just difficulty staying on top of tasks, uh, difficulty predicting how long something may take to get done, uh, 
having trouble speaking in an organized way to express all thoughts. And this is something I do hear from women is that trouble, I guess, um, coherently getting the information out in a way that feels organized and right. Um, women especially have challenges with uh, cooking or shopping because those tasks require so much mental processing, so much executive functioning, the planning, the shopping, following a recipe, attention, memory. People can struggle with small talk. Uh, They feel fatigue from what's known as a normal schedule. They can get easily stimulated or not stimulated enough. And I think what people don't realize is with ADHD, it's not always a need of wanting stimulation or needing stimulation. That is true. They do need it. But the, the feeling of boredom is really challenging to sit with. And that's why impulsivity can get, I guess, sparked is because we're trying to feel that brain-based pain that sometimes boredom boredom can bring. They're some of the symptoms of the uh, inattentive type and then also the hyperactivity impulsive. And then in the combined, we may see symptoms of both. Mm. I'm sitting here nodding along like (laughs) furiously because I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And particularly when you said the hyperactivity in regards to thoughts, because I'm not hyperactive at all in my behavior. I'm very like under the radar. Like if I enter a room, you don't know I'm entering the room. Very, very quiet. But my hyperactive thoughts are out of control. And I've only realized this in the last year that not everyone has the thought pattern that I have. I thought everyone, like everyone's brain jumped around as much as mine does because within like a 10 second period, Steph, I'll go from like one thread of a thought to the next thread of like, who was in that movie? Who were they married to? And I'll go down this rabbit hole, but it's this rabbit hole within 10 seconds. Mm. And it is, it's a hyperactive like thought process all the time. And it's so exhausting. Yes. Absolutely. And that's what we see in women is the hyperactivity is in the thoughts. It's the struggle. um, It is the trouble staying attentive in a phone call, for example. And things that people do day to day, you can find very exhausting or overstimulating. But you're right, there's a lot of racing thoughts. And that can cause people to be overly talkative or sometimes interrupt others. But I think as well, a lot of women growing up probably have been told, you know, you talk too much or you're not concentrating or you need to put more effort in. And these brain-based symptoms that other people see as, you know, not putting enough effort or being defiant, they lead to the urge to retreat, protect or hide because women fear dismissal, rejection, abandonment, and that can lead to a whole other can of worms as well. Absolutely. And even just that exhaustion from everyday tasks, I know myself, I feel a really high level and my friends and I joke about this, but like a high level of self congratulations when I do an everyday task, you know, I'll complete an everyday task, like paying a bill. And to me, that's like, oh, well done. Like really well done. That took a lot of effort, even though I know like logistically, it didn't take much effort. It feels like it did. Yes. And you, you should, you should congratulate yourself on doing those things because they are very challenging with the person with ADHD. If it's not right in front of you, if you don't do it there and then it can go on forever. And I think 
that sort of brings us to this idea of time. People with ADHD, it's not that they don't have a concept of time. It's just that their brain understands time differently. And there's two times in the world of ADHD. There's now and not now. (laughs) So either, you know, if the bill is due in three weeks, well, that's not now. Uh You know, whereas the bill is due now because it was due three weeks ago, that's different. So this is why people with ADHD struggle with, with time when you say to them, we have to leave in 30 minutes, they hear, we don't have to leave now. Mm-hmm. So it's not until the time they have to leave, then that last minute sort of panic sets in. Um, and their brain's just different. They don't comprehend the, you know, the time, the, the the seconds, the minutes, and that sort of counting down. I'm not sure. How do you sort of manage time? I'm curious to know. I'm glad that you asked. I didn't want to interject and make it all about me, which again, I want to talk about this a bit later on like personality versus ADHD traits, but in terms of interjecting. But for me, I think I have become so hypervigilant with managing time that I over allow. So if I look at the clock and it's 10 past 11, in my mind, I round it up to 12. It's already 12. Um, And I think that's probably because I have a fear of being late, probably because I have poor time management. So I am always very early. I would rather be 45 minutes early to an appointment rather than just on time. Yes. And my son, so I've got twins, as I mentioned before we hit uh, record, my twins, they're nearly nine. One of them for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, he already meets the criteria. I've had feedback from his psychologist. He meets the criteria for ADHD, but he is obsessed with time as well. So he'll get up midway through me eating dinner and go and check the time because he wants to be in bed by a certain time because he wants to fall asleep by a certain time. So he, I think, has picked up on my hypervigilance with if we've got to be somewhere at 10, we're out the door by nine, even if it's only 10 minutes away. So I've kind of swung the other way, but I think that's from years of not managing it well, if that makes sense. Like I've overcorrected. And I think that's masking behavior, isn't it? Because I want to be organized I want to present to the world that I'm on top of it and so there's a lot of masking I think in my life and I've often thought that's anxiety but the more I understand now about ADHD and the way it um, you know how your brain works I'm like oh I think I have less anxiety than I originally thought and it's more more um, of a difficulty with my executive functioning like I'll sit outside of coals and be like, I just can't will myself to go in. And eventually I will, but everything feels hard. Yes. Everything is an effort. And I love that you've mentioned that overcompensating and anxiety because so many people will get misdiagnosed or their symptoms will get attributed to anxiety or depression, but anxiety and depressive symptoms come from, I guess, the side effects of undiagnosed and unmanaged ADHD and there is a really high hereditary rate so even if one parent has ADHD your child has a one in three chance of having it and if both parents have ADHD your child has a two in three chance of having it so it's a really high statistic and I want to put it out there because I think a lot of people can say oh you know my mom has ADHD or my child has ADHD and it's not until people, women especially, have children where the masking starts to fall off. Mm-hmm. So just, just talking about masking, 
Uh, what is masking? So masking is essentially coping mechanisms that people with ADHD learn growing up. They may mimic neurotypical behavior or they may hide, not be that social, not go out that much. So people don't see the challenges they have because they've been grown up to believe that they shouldn't have these challenges. They should function. They should just focus. If only they focus, they could reach their full potential. And yes, that overcompensating of time probably is a masking strategy that you have learned because I'm guessing when you have gone late, there's been a consequence or people have just said, set a timer, put an alarm on, um, which has made you, yeah, I guess hyper aware of it now. Yeah. And I think for me, it might be less about a consequence of being late and more about the masking behavior and feeling, yeah, guilt that things are so hard for me personally. Um, And it's even interesting then when you were chatting about socializing, because I've always just said I'm introverted. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's because I have trouble with small talk. I fear that sort of attention. And I guess people seeing past the masking to know that I don't have it all together. I think there's yes. a lot of that. Yes, yes, I I love that. And you're absolutely right with speaking of the time and the masking. And one thing I do want to add to that is to talk about procrastination. Because like you said, I sit in the car and I'm like, I need to go to Coles, but my body's not moving to Coles. I just want to know, is procrastination something you, you deal with? It is. I've become quite good at hitting the ground running. So I'm quite good at um, getting things done, but not always the things that are most important to be done, right? So I will get momentum going by waking up every day and working out. Once I've worked out, I'm good to go. Things just roll and I'm quite productive, but then I will procrastinate over certain tasks. Mm -hmm. And it's those tasks that appear so easy for other people, like paying bills on time, I've got the means, I've got the time, I can certainly sit and do it, but I'll procrastinate. Um, It's making appointments, it's life admin. I'm very good at doing things that don't necessarily need to be done. And I think, you know, like I'll go and organise the pantry and I wonder, is that my way of kind of organising my life but not actually organising my life? It's interesting you say that because I'm curious to know, do you procrastinate on things you enjoy doing? No. See, I have no trouble. I've worked for myself um, for the last 10 years successfully and I have no trouble procrastinating on the things I enjoy, but I have designed a life where I enjoy everything I do. And that is the key because this is the thing. What people don't know about people with ADHD is they are a pocket of energy and they can be the most generous, optimistic, enthusiastic person they really can bring you up they're quite funny and persuasive and people with ADHD are just what you need when you're feeling low or you're needing that that boost and although they can tend to say no to help when other people offer help they're the first to help you they're the first to give you what you need and when that energy is channeled into creativity that they enjoy they thrive they absolutely thrive because What they've found is people with ADHD, as we know, they're either hyper-focused on something, which is having that really strong attention, or having that inattention. And if you're doing stuff you enjoy, you can really channel that hyper-focus and be super successful. They've found many people with ADHD who channel that 
inner restlessness, that, you know, go, 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 the racing thoughts into entrepreneurial activities do very well as to someone who doesn't. And if you're not channeling those urges into something that you enjoy and you like, sometimes it can go the other way. And this is why we see a lot of comorbidity with eating disorders, binge Mm. eating, substance use, drugs, because what they found is people with ADHD are actually lower in dopamine. So they are trying to get that dopamine hit. Mm. So we want to find adaptive ways to get that dopamine hit when we do manage ADHD. And it sounds like you found that in your work, which is amazing. It's really interesting about the um, pairing there with eating disorders because that's in my history as well. (coughs) Excuse me, having a little cough here. So eating disorders are in my history as well, but so is depression. And so to hear the link between ADHD and dopamine is so fascinating, Steph, because that's something with my little boy, I've said to my partner at times, it's almost like he's depressed Mm. and he's only eight. He has moments where he's so low and I didn't realize there was a connection between dopamine and ADHD. Yes, yes. And it can definitely come out as depression as well. So yeah, they found people with ADHD tend to have lower levels of dopamine in the brain. So dopamine is the feel good hormone that we get from exercise and eating and all those types of things but it is lower so part of I guess an ADHD management plan would be including things that give you dopamine that are adaptive um, in your life but I think the depression also comes from people with ADHD tend to have a really critical part of them they see themselves as if they're looking in mirrors they don't see what other people see and other people may see a really capable business-minded, strong woman, but people with ADHD really send, really tend to critique themselves, right? And it could be because they've been hearing voices of, you know, if only you applied your potential growing up, they've heard these remarks about being inattentive or not concentrating, but that could also look like depression because when you're critiquing yourself and you're being you have this poor self-concept and you're sensitive to rejection, the world can look dark at times and seem negative. But, and, you know, of course, if you're thinking negative of yourself, you're going to feel low. And I think that's where the low mood comes in, in conjunction with the dopamine aspect as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Absolutely. And you mentioned adaptive dopamine things to include in your day. What are those things? Like, I think exercise is my big one. If I don't exercise, I feel very scattered. But what are some other things, you know, listeners can actually do? Yeah. So dopamine is different for everyone. And I think it's important to know that there's no one size fits all. So create your own dopamine blueprint and what works for you. 
But exercise is fantastic and it can be joyful movement. It doesn't have to be strenuous activity in the gym. It could be going for a walk outside. It could be doing some Pilates or stretching because when you move your body, you're increasing dopamine and serotonin. And what happens is that brings down your cortisol and your adrenaline, which are your stress hormones. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing we usually do is think about all the stuff we have to do. And then all of a sudden your cortisol, your adrenaline's going up. So if you move your body in the morning and anything movement, anything movement helps to stimulate dopamine and serotonin that brings your stress levels down. So movement is a great one. Anything physical, breathing, deep belly breathing, and you don't have to sit there and meditate for hours. You can do some box breathing, which is inhaling for four, holding for four, exhaling for four, inhaling for four, and repeat that four times. You can do deep belly breathing. You can use your five senses. So people may actually also have sensory stuff around ADHD. I just wanted to flag that as well. But sensory can also work in your favor. So having certain smells that you really like, lighting a candle, um, using a particular fragrance or um, sounds, music. Music helps with dopamine a lot. I know for me, when I put a tune on and dance, like I feel really good. That helps me. So anything that gets you physical or activates your senses, sound, smell, sight, all of that can really help. Watching a cat video, for example, people love that. Um, yeah. But finding what works for you. Yeah, I love the concept of your own dopamine blueprint. I think that's a really great like homework exercise for every listener, regardless of whether or not they feel they may have ADHD. It's a great little thought exercise to think, huh, what really works for me? Something I was curious about is you mentioned stress and cortisol levels and whatnot. I, from my understanding, which is limited, but stimulants are an option for people who do decide that they might want to try medication. Do stimulants then not increase your cortisol and your adrenaline? Good question. The way stimulants work for people with ADHD is completely different to how they work with people with, without ADHD. If someone who doesn't have ADHD takes stimulants, it is like, you know, they've taken stimulants. It's almost like they're highly energetic. They're like ready to go. They should be at a rave. Whereas stimulants do the opposite for people with ADHD because your frontal lobe is so activated. It's almost like there's shiny object syndrome. It's like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. I'll concentrate on this. I'll do that stimulants actually quieten the frontal lobe and they say it's okay and they help you focus on one thing at a time so they actually do the opposite of that so they calm they calm you down and there's a thing called the cinderella effect it's not a technical term but um, a lot of psychiatrists and doctors i've spoken to speak to their clients and when they start taking medication it is life-changing it can really help people mm -hmm describe it as if they're wearing glasses for the first time they can finally see and ADHD is actually the most treatable or manageable condition in psychiatry with medication because the medication helps bring you to a level where you can actively apply strategies you can engage in therapy you can deal with other traumas whatever it may be but it needs to be a combination of behavioral and lifestyle strategies and medication as well. 
You mentioned trauma there. Mm-hmm. And when I've been going through your Instagram account, which is amazing, everyone needs to go and click follow on your Instagram account. It's at Mind Food Steph, isn't it? Yes, thank yeah. you. You have a video there speaking about trauma and ADHD and how people might struggle to process trauma or struggle to process rejection yes. if they do have ADHD. Yes. So rejection, I'll, I'll break this down into two parts. So rejection-sensitive dysphoria, RSD, is a symptom that not many people know about. It's not in the DSM-5, which is the book we use to diagnose ADHD, but it's this idea that people with ADHD are extremely sensitive to perceived rejection. So if they think someone's purposely not answering their call or that someone has given them criticism at work, they get this emotional pain that has been described as unbearable. And that's what dysphoria means. It's unable to bear. And that is a big aspect of it. Is that something you've experienced just out of curiosity or you feel? Yeah, it definitely hit a nerve with me when I was watching your videos because I am very sensitive to rejection um, and I find it hard to move on after rejection. I quite, I really ruminate over it, but in particular with my little boy as well, if he perceives another child doesn't want to play with him, it's disastrous and he can go from they don't want to play the game that he wants to play in exactly the way he wants to play it to he has no friends, life's not worth living. So I see it a lot in him, that sensitivity towards rejection. And I definitely see it in myself as well. Now that I'm aware of it, you know, I really, I went through a divorce three years ago and I probably say that every day because I still struggle with that whole, it was such a hard time in my life. And then any breakup since that, it's everything I do really find it very hard to bear. Mm. So hearing you speak to that was like, oh, that's so insightful. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's real. And I think we need to generate more awareness of it because it can get misdiagnosed. If you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist who doesn't know ADHD well, and a lot of us don't, I didn't, I had to do my own training. They don't teach you this stuff at uni. Um, We're busy learning about all other types of things that you just, anyways, that's another can of worms. (laughs) The point of the story here is when you speak about, I just get so angry. I get so upset. I scared people are going to leave me, abandonment. It sounds like borderline personality disorder or bipolar. And there's such a high percentage of people who do get misdiagnosed with something else because of this emotional component. And look, there is a very high comorbidity, don't get me wrong, between borderline and ADHD. But the link, I believe, is traumatic life events, right? Because trauma can happen even in utero. So even if you're mum when she was pregnant, if she engaged in, you know, smoking or drinking or had um, magnetic field radiation, power lines, there's a lot of research coming out around that, that does make you vulnerable to developing ADHD. And yes, you were born with it. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, you're born with it. What do you mean developing? But it has to develop somewhere in the, the womb, right? Yeah. Um, that type of trauma, for example, you know, pregnancy trauma or whatever it may be, can make you vulnerable to developing it, but also trauma in upbringing. So if you were bullied for 
being different or if teachers or parents, you know, always put you down or told you that that's an adverse life experience that can make you vulnerable to having, you know, traumatic experiences or make you be vulnerable to having an activated nervous system a lot of the time. Mm. And that can make you, yeah, I guess ADHD and trauma does have a link because the nervous system is dysregulated and whether the trauma comes first or whether ADHD can cause traumatic life experiences, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, two-way street for sure. When is it a good idea for someone to seek a diagnosis? Look, I think if you're thinking about whether you have ADHD and it's impairing your life, it's definitely worth investigating or seeking help. Now, there are groups of people who have symptoms, right? Five to 10% of people will have all these symptoms I'm describing. And it's also being said, oh, does everyone just have ADHD now? Why does everyone have ADHD? Yeah, it's trendy. Yeah, it's trending. I'm like, dude, thousands of dollars for a diagnosis. I don't know why people would want to do that if they don't have it. But anyways, um, it's the fact that people have recognized their difficulties over the past two years. We were locked at home. We didn't have distractions. We couldn't go out. We didn't have access to the things that give us dopamine, gyms, all that thing. So people's difficulties really became unmasked. So rather than ADHD trending, I think the mask was being revealed. There's also so much more education as well. Yes, absolutely. With the rise of TikTok, gosh, we've learned more off TikTok than than at uni. Seriously, it's it's amazing. Um, But regardless, if you're someone who struggles with elements of executive functioning, memory, processing speed, there are strategies out there. And I will be bringing out a course on this in the near future just to help anyone who struggles with the aspects. But if you think you have an ADHD diagnosis, if your difficulties are impairing your life, if it's affecting your job, if it's affecting relationships, if it's impacting your mental health, then definitely speak to someone in the field of ADHD. Go to a doctor who specializes in this area, have a chat, get a referral. And it's very important to say this, a psychologist can diagnose ADHD and they can aid you in the process of seeing a psychiatrist and writing you a report, but they cannot prescribe you medication. It has to be diagnosed by a psychiatrist to get medication for it. Yes. And it's quite a long process or it can be a long process. Yeah. Yes, it definitely can be. And I think this is why I was really passionate to try to bridge the gap. So in my online clinic, we developed ADHD exploration appointments, just where you can explore what a pathway for you may look like. And then if you're curious about going down that assessment path, we do do assessments as well. And it is cost effective too. I think that's such a brilliant service that you offer. And that's through Mind Food Psychology, isn't it? Yes, that's the one. An online clinic. So anyone who's listening and their ears are pricking up and they're like, oh, that could be me. It's worth having that 20 minute, 30 minute, whatever it is, consult with you to just get some clarification. Absolutely. And you can book it online. Uh, It'll either be with Sarah or myself. Sarah's one of my clinicians. She's amazing. And she's also worked in a lot of childhood 
uh, special needs. So she can recognise this as well with, with kids, but we do just focus on adults for now. So feel free to get in touch. Even if you have a question, we'll be happy to answer it. But know that you don't have to live your life like this. People come to me and say, I'm 46. Is it worth investigating? And why not? Your ADHD is not going anywhere if you do have it. Um, And it just may be the missing link that puts everything together. Yeah. And I think the older that we get, I know for me, I'm 35. It's never crossed my mind before. And yes, there's more education. Yes, we had the pandemic where you just can't hide from things. But the older you get, the more you know yourself. So I imagine you have so many people reaching out to you in their 30s, in their 40s and beyond, because it's like, oh, okay, now that, you know, they have a bit of distance from their childhood and have gone through different experiences, it becomes more tangible, I think. Yeah, and it's really challenging. It's not ADHD isn't something you can just say, oh, yeah, just push to the side. It's hard, and they estimate that ADHD causes a person nearly 13 years of their life either not being diagnosed or in, you know, difficulties and challenges. So it is worth looking into. Um, I'm curious to know, did you notice more challenges when you had children? It's not actually been until recently that I've realized it for myself. Um, I don't I don't know if I would say I noticed more challenges, but I definitely noticed I had to become hypervigilant. So yes. having twins as well, like two newborns at once is a baptism of fire. And you have to be, well, for me, the only way I could cope was to become so vigilant and so organized and hyper-focused on routine, hyper-focused on systems. So like even now, I, I still feel like that's the way that I move through my day. Yes, I've designed a life where I have a I have days that I love, like I genuinely love the way that I get to work and show up, but I'm very big on systems, processes, repeating things, routine, all of that stuff that definitely became more important to me when I had kids. But it's really been, and there are so many things in parenting where this happens, but it's been seeing myself in my kids and being triggered by things in them that I go, oh, that's a reflection of me. Even um, to the point where just the other day I was sitting in the office with Jordan, my lovely Jordan that works with me, and I was describing my son and I was saying, because that, you know, his dad and the school teachers wanted to explore cognitive testing for like dysgraphia and dyslexia. Mm. And then the more I looked into it, I said to them, could it be inattentive ADHD? And the teacher said, yes, absolutely, because he's very disorganized. He's this, he's that, da 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 And then I was thinking about his disorganization and I was saying to Jordan, you know, he really needs me to tell him like five times to do a simple task. He really struggles to get his lunchbox into his bag. And that was how I was as a child. But the more things I rattled off to Jordan, you know, the next day she came back and she said to me, I've been thinking about it. And that's you. (laughs) Like you need me to really baby you with briefs. Like she needs to say to me, oh, the brief for this collaboration is in the calendar and I've resent it to you and I've put it in dot points and like really tell me the same thing in different ways until I do it. And so it's in parenting that I notice, oh, okay, 
that child needs to be told the same thing 12 times and so do I. So it's parenting has mirrored that back to me. That's so interesting and I love how you went back to systems because you're right, your systems underpin your success and this is with everyone, with ADHD or without it, the way you run stuff and you have your systems in place, that's so important. And I was looking at your website and I love all the programs you you have and how you've tailored this in such a systematic way and you've made, you know, a whole, I guess, business around what you've gone through yourself. And I think being someone, you know, who potentially who has ADHD or you're going through the process, I think it's going to help a lot of other mums who are going through that too. Yeah, I really hope so. And there was just one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up our ADHD conversation. I put myself through the absolute ringer for being a bad person sometimes, right? So I will be like, oh my gosh, I spoke over someone. Oh my gosh, I forgot their birthday. I forgot to reply to their text message. I'm the worst person. I wonder what, like, how do you know if something is because you're a shitty person or because you have ADHD, (laughs) right? Because I will lay lie in bed at night and I'm like, I am a piece of shit because I forgot to do all of those things. But then the more I understand ADHD, I'm like, I really have, I don't want to say a valid excuse, but a reason that it's harder for me. Yeah, of course. It's it's not me. It's my ADHD. (laughs) And this is what I encourage people to do is call Call it out for what it is, you know. If you're getting an urge to wash your hands, that's not me, that's my OCD. Same with ADHD. I didn't reply to a message, that's not me, that's my ADHD. And the fact that you feel bad means you're not a bad person. You know what I mean? If you didn't give a crap, if you were like whatever, then, yeah, because a lot of people ask, is ADHD and narcissism linked yes. and all that? And in the most case, no. I think it's just impulsivity people don't have a filter and they'll just say what is socially not acceptable or which may come across as narcissistic but yeah this inability to hold it in I think can sometimes make people with ADHD seem narcissistic but then the forgetfulness may seem like they don't care but it's not that at all the fact you lie there and think oh gosh I haven't done this of course you care you know you're not a bad Mm -hmm. person so I think it's important with ADHD, the key is to embrace it and acknowledge it and, you know, don't stand in your own light. Be aware of it and say, I'm just someone who has this brain-based condition and that's okay. There's going to be stuff I forget, but I'm doing my best and it's it's nothing to, to worry too much about. It's okay. Your friends will understand that you were struggling with it just because it's an invisible challenge it doesn't mean it's not there challenge, yeah amazing as I said during our conversation your Instagram is brilliant it is my favorite Instagram account <laughs> I would love all of our listeners to jump over and hit follow on you it is at mind food Steph yep that's right mind food Steph and you speak to a variety of topics that I know will be really relevant to all of our listeners. We also will have all of those details in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. You and I are going to actually continue the conversation in a little separate mini episode, but thank you so much for your time today. Yes. Thank you so much, Kylie. Really appreciate it. And thanks everyone for listening.
Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 